Hello and welcome to Buffy and the Art of Story Season 6. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're at the right podcast. Today I'm talking about Season 6, Episode 14, Older and Far Away, where Dawn's feeling left out and Buffy's birthday once again turns into a disaster. I am Lisa M. Lilly, mystery and thriller author, story expert, and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. Along with a breakdown of Older and Far Away, today I'll talk about small moments and movements that create deep deep emotional conflict, protagonist questions, two demons who might or might not be antagonists, and why this episode lacks momentum despite that a lot is going on. As always, there will be no spoilers until the end when I talk about foreshadowing. Okay, let's dive into the hellmouth. Older and Far Away aired the first time on February 12, 2002. It was written by Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by Michael Gershman. It starts with a minor emotional conflict to draw the viewer into the episode, and then we will get an action conflict. Buffy packs weapons into her bag, apologizing as she does so to Dawn for running out. Buffy promises they'll have a real dinner soon, but she claims there's this thing out there, quote, definitely non-vampire, end quote and she needs to patrol. Dawn says she understands and suggests that when Buffy comes back, they can set up for Buffy's party tomorrow. But Buffy says she'll probably be late and Willow's on party patrol anyway, so there's nothing to do. Dawn remains cheerful while Buffy is there, but she is clearly sad once she's left standing alone. It's not clear how much Buffy and Dawn have talked since the events of Dead Things where Buffy was going to turn herself into the police. Dawn was very angry about that. And when Buffy learned she was not at fault and told Dawn she was staying, Dawn stalked off. So it seems like there's been some thaw since then, but we don't know if they've had a conversation or if just a little bit of time passed and Dawn is now seeming more upbeat. I also wonder, is Buffy planning to meet Spike? Because she says definitely non-vampire, which makes me think she's planning to meet a certain vampire. In the graveyard, though, a demon attacks. Buffy fights it. It disappears and and reappears and Buffy finally stabs it with its own sword and she doesn't see that it swirls into the sword but the camera closes up on the demon's reflection in the sword's blade. Buffy thinks the sword is very cool and grabs it for herself and at 1 minute 38 seconds we go to credits. On return, Anya, Xander, and Willow talk in the magic box about Buffy's upcoming birthday party. Xander says Buffy wants Tara there, and he wanted to be sure it's okay with Willow. Willow seems quite happy about that. 
Dawn comes in, they talk about the trio, a reference to dead things last week, but don't go into detail other than to say that no one has been able to find them. Dawn wants to know if anyone wants to go to the mall with her to shop for birthday presents, but Anya's stuck doing the books. Xander is working out a schedule for his construction crew, and Willow says, I've got my group. You know, the whole Spellcasters Anonymous thing. We're still looking for a better name. They all apologize and seem sincere. Willow asks if Dawn's okay going on her own, and Dawn, a little muted, assures them she'll be fine. The scene cuts to Dawn coming home to a dark, empty house. At 4 minutes 44 seconds in her bedroom, Dawn takes a bunch of jewelry out of her coat pockets. Then she takes off her coat, and underneath it, she's wearing a beautiful black leather jacket. Around here, I look for the story spark or inciting incident that sets the main plot rolling if it hasn't happened already. You almost always see it by 10% through an episode. One of the storylines here is Dawn's loneliness and her desire to connect and spend time with the others. And for that, the very first scene could be the story spark when Buffy leaves or more likely when Dawn asks the others to go shopping with her and no one is available. And this shoplifting shows us how that affected Dawn, what Dawn did about it to make herself feel better. For the action plot, the story spark comes a little bit later. At 5 minutes 29 seconds, Dawn is in class and she's clearly uneasy when she gets called to the guidance counselor's office. The counselor apologizes. She didn't mean to scare Dawn. She's new and she wanted to check in and follow up after Dawn's loss. The counselor comes across as very kind and supportive. She talks about Dawn's grades slipping a bit, that her teachers say she's been distracted. Dawn claims she's fine. The counselor says her most important job is looking out for Dawn, and she knows there's been a lot of loss. And finally, Dawn says yes, and she goes on, people keep People have a tendency to go away, and I miss them, and sometimes I wish I could just make them stop going away. But seriously, it's it's no big deal. I'm fine. And that was the story spark. I did not catch it the first time I watched that Dawn made a wish. It seemed like simply more of this building of Dawn's emotional state and her loneliness. At 7 minutes 14 seconds, the scene cuts to platters of appetizers. Xander, Anya, and Buffy are putting them together, and Xander asks who else is coming. Buffy mentions Sophie from work and they stare at her and Buffy says what like I'm one of those losers who can't make friends outside of her tight little circle no I'm friendly we bonded instantly peas in a pod bonded peas and Anya says really um what's Sophie's last name Buffy responds okay shut up But they assure her it's fine. They're all over the new friend thing. They invited someone for Buffy. And Anya says, a guy. 
Dawn walks in and overhears. She's very pleased for Buffy, which suggests for the moment at least she and Buffy are getting along. Buffy also seems a little bit more upbeat in this episode than the last one. I I guess it would be hard to not be more upbeat than the last one. But let's say to how she was in the beginning of Dead Things when she talked to Tara and certainly at the end when she broke down with Tara. Now she seems a little bit lighter, a little more relaxed. And I get that impression even more when Tara appears in a few moments. For now, Xander says, don't worry, it's not a setup. Anya says, right. No, just an attractive single man with whom we hope you find much in common. And if you happen to form a romantic relationship leading to babies, Xander keeps trying to interrupt, saying, on, on. Anya just continues, and many double dates with us, so we have someone else to talk to. Yay. Buffy says, I assume this was an act of kindness. That'll help with a not throttling. Tara arrives. She's nervous about seeing Willow, but she also asks how Buffy is and if Spike is coming. And Buffy says, no, he may be a chiphead, but he still doesn't play too well with others. Besides, I'm definitely not ready to, and Tara says, come out. And Buffy says, yeah, I'm all stay any. Willow comes down the stairs. Buffy makes an excuse and goes to the kitchen. Willow and Tara have this lovely conversation where they both awkwardly say hey and they compliment each other's clothes but neither one lets the other finish because they're so nervous and they repeatedly ask how the other is and say fine. Finally Tara leaves to get something to drink. In the kitchen she grabs a cup from Buffy and drinks it down. Spike arrives at the back door with Clem, that demon with all the loose skin hanging in folds whom we met in the episode where Buffy was trying out various things including trying out Spike's world and everyone was playing kitten poker. Spike says Willow told her about the party. He's still looking very beat up from last episode suggesting that not too much time has passed which does make me wonder about Buffy and Dawn seeming to get along so well. Buffy remembers Clem says hello Anya and Xander interrupt to introduce Richard. He's blonde, he's fairly tall, nice enough looking. Xander pushes Richard towards Buffy and tells her to go show him where to park his car. Richard asks in a whisper about Clem. Buffy claims he has a skin condition and doesn't like to talk about it. After they're out of earshot, Spike says, stupid git. And Tara, who is so much fun in this episode, says, I don't know, he seemed cute. Was he cute? I mean, I'm not a very good judge, but I think he seemed cute. And she appeals to Clem, and Clem says, I think he seemed cute, yeah. Clem is another example of bringing back a bit part character to uh, use again rather than introducing someone new. I wonder if that was the intent or it just worked out because Clem's personality seems quite different in this episode. He's friendly to Buffy. He goes along with Tara, although maybe he's just being honest about it. Fairly lighthearted where in the kitten poker episode, he was pretty threatening to Buffy. He was not happy she was there. And it makes me think that perhaps these were written as two different demon friends of Spike's, but perhaps the directors or the showrunners really liked the actor and decided to bring the character 
back. It's it's very fun having him here, and he adds some comic relief throughout. We saw something similar with Jonathan, who first appeared here and there as just that kid who always got picked on and then eventually got a name and became a character. And of course, he became a really big character, as we see in this season. Dawn's very excited about presents. She's eager to give Buffy that black leather jacket but Xander and Anya tell her Buffy's making a new friend and Anya says a grown-up friend. Anya is so condescending here much like in Blood Ties which was also a Buffy birthday episode and she ruffles Dawn's hair when Dawn says she understands why they invited Richard. She was there when they were talking about it and she says I can hear you when I'm in the room you know. Spike pulls Buffy aside and wants to fool around. When Buffy declines, he teases her about her quote-unquote new boyfriend. Buffy claims Richard's sweet and points out maybe Richard isn't the one who's jealous. At 12 minutes 34 seconds, Willow gives Buffy a battery-operated back massager as a gift for after she's slaying, if her muscles are sore, it's instant gratification post-patrol and Buffy and Spike exchange a look. Dawn gives Buffy the leather jacket and Buffy loves it. She says it's gorgeous. She sees the inventory tag still on it and Dawn acts surprised. Xander and Anya wheel in a beautiful wooden chest with carvings on it. Xander made it for Buffy to store her weapons in. Buffy almost shoves that box with the leather jacket in it onto Dawn's lap and goes over to see the chest and poor Dawn looks so sad she folds the arms of the jacket and puts the lid on the box. These are some of those small gestures I mentioned that tell us so much both about how clueless Buffy is as to what Dawn is feeling or at this point maybe I wouldn't say clueless right here but this beautiful chest comes in and unthinkingly she just pushes Dawn's present over to her and if everything was great that would probably not be such a big deal but we can see how hurt Dawn is. Xander and Anya also have had some bigger gestures that say a lot here pushing Richard up to Buffy when she's still saying hello to Clem and Spike and now wheeling this chest in. I don't think any of their intentions are bad but it's also a little bit of tone deafness on their part because they are thinking about oh we brought you this great guy and we brought you this great gift and not being aware what's going on around them. The doorbell rings it's Sophie who stutters out that her mom told her to say thank you right away because she might forget and she rattles off a list of things she can't have because she's allergic like chocolate or dairy. Anya whispers to Buffy that their friend is better. Buffy now asks Dawn to get the door. Another quick moment that tells us so much. It's again by itself, no big deal, but it's treating Dawn almost like she's just there to take care of things like shutting the door or it suggests Buffy just isn't really thinking at all about Dawn. Dawn goes over and closes 
the door. It's now 14 minutes, 24 seconds through the episode. This is a ways past the one quarter mark. And it's where I look for that first major plot turn that I call the one quarter twist because where it often appears in any story, it should come from outside the protagonist, spin the story in a new direction and raise the stakes. And we have all those things here. That counselor from the high school is standing outside on the porch after Dawn shuts the door. She turns into a demon. We recognize Halfrick from when he appeared to Xander. So it's Anya's demon friend, Halfrick. And she says, wish granted. And we cut to a commercial. On return inside at the party, some people are dancing. Dawn is sitting on the couch, but she's smiling and seems happy. Buffy runs into Richard in the hall. He tells her it's a great party and says, look at the time. No one's even thinking about leaving. This is the first tiny clue that something is wrong, though there is no reason to pick up on it as an audience member. On the one hand, that is great, sowing the seeds, and we'll see a couple more where you don't know anything's wrong, but then when we find out no one can leave, it fits. The downside of weaving in such tiny clues is that we are past a quarter way through the episode and so far we have had the demon on the porch but there isn't anything showing us a physical threat to any of our party goers to Buffy even the wish granted if you remember Dawn's wish it was for people to spend time with her so at least on its face there's nothing super threatening here and this is part of why this episode doesn't have a lot of momentum now if things picked up from here i i think that would be easily remedied often that first major plot turn is what really makes the story take hold or take off but it will continue to be relatively slow Richard tells Buffy he can't tear himself away. He offers to get her a drink. She says, no thanks, she's okay. And he just keeps standing there until she says she'll head back into the party now. And he finally walks off. Not in any way being a jerk. He just kind of doesn't know what else to say and she's not really smitten with him. Spike has been lurking watching this and after Richard walks off, Spike makes fun and he says, ooh, Buffy, can I get you a soda pop? I think I'm in love. Spike tries to kiss her. She tells him to stop. Someone will see. He pulls her off to the side further down the hall, but Tara walks out of the main room. Buffy pushes Spike away and leaves, and Tara smirks. Spike says, I had a muscle cramp. Buffy was helping. Tara says, a muscle cramp in your pants? Spike says, what? It's a thing. And Tara says, right, and grins at him and walks off. So more of Tara having some fun knowing something about Spike that Spike doesn't realize she knows. At 16 minutes, 22 seconds in the kitchen, the others talk about wanting more beer and Anya says, no, you go. Xander says, no, you go. Anya again says, no, you go. And Willow tries to put an end to it and says, okay, it's just a beer run. I'll go. Sophie 
chimes in, oh, well, I can't really drink beer because, you know, barley, but I'll go with you to go get some. Willow says, perfect, here we go, the beer getting, and she drops her head down on the table. So this is a little more of a hint that something is wrong, and we almost miss it, or maybe do miss it, I'm sure I did first time around, with Sophie's dietary issues again being used for humor. That is something that doesn't age super well. I feel like we're much more aware now that yes, various food ingredients can cause people serious problems and it doesn't mean that you are somehow um, deficient or you should be a social outcast, which is a little bit how they treat Sophie here. A quick reminder that you can get the audiobook editions of the one-year novelist and super simple story structure, my two books that focus on fiction writing and plot, from your local library. These are also really helpful for screenwriting, and print editions are available at the library too. You can find links in the show notes or at Writing as a Second Career. The Buffy and the Art of Storybooks also are available through your local library in print. And if you like crime novels and following the clues, you can get the print editions of the QC Davis Mysteries, including large print editions, through your local library as well. If you're a Kindle Unlimited member, you can borrow the ebook editions for free. Links for all the QC Davis mysteries are at lisalilly.com. That's L-I-S-A-L-I-L-L-Y.com. Buffy, Dawn, Anya, and Richard play Monopoly in the living room. At another table, Spike plays cards with Xander and Clem, and Xander says, you want to try poker? Clem responds, I still say it's weird without kittens, and Buffy calls over, no kittens. She then tells Richard, Clem's just a bit quirky. Richard says it's two in the morning. Buffy can't bail on the Monopoly game now when she seems to be flagging. Anya agrees she still wants to bankrupt someone, and Dawn suggests a slumber party. Buffy says, okay, as long as everyone's up anyway. This is Dawn trying to keep everyone there. And then we get a bit more of Tara being sassy to Spike because Spike says, must be some late night activities to keep us busy till morning. And Tara responds, has that cramp Spike still bothering you? Spike says, what? Oh, yeah. And Tara tells him, maybe you want to put some ice on it. In the morning, Dawn and Clem laugh at cartoons. Xander sits behind them. Richard, standing on the stairs, says they need to leave. He and Xander have to be at work. Spike thinks Richard leaving is a great idea, though Spike could use some breakfast. Buffy drags Spike to the door and says, We do not joke about eating people in this house. They argue some more about his behavior. And around here, I started thinking, who is the protagonist of this episode and what is the main plot? For protagonist, I look at who's the main point of view, character, what character has an active goal throughout the story, or at least most of it, and who has the most at stake. We get a lot from Dawn's point of view, more than usual, and yet 
most of it is from Buffy's point of view. Given that it's her show and that's expected, maybe that prong leans toward Dawn. When it comes to an active goal, that's also tricky. Buffy doesn't really have an active goal at all. I suppose she wants to have a good time at her birthday party. She wants to avoid dealing with Spike. It's kind of a negative active goal. Dawn has more of a goal. She wants to connect with people and she tells Buffy this by asking Buffy in the very first scene, hey, when you get back, we can set up for your party. Buffy doesn't pick up on it. She answers the literal comment about setting up for the party and not the bid to connect. Then Dawn asks the others to go shopping with her and she expresses to the guidance counselor she wishes that people would stop leaving. So she does have a goal and she does pursue it to some extent at the party by suggesting that people stay the night. However, in much of the rest of the episode, Dawn is simply reacting. She will react when they are trapped in the house. She'll get angry. She does say more of her feelings because of that, but a lot of it is coming out because of her anger and frustration which is triggered by the situation now she set that emotion through her wish but didn't do that purposely put all together I would say Dawn has a more active goal than Buffy making her probably the protagonist but the struggle I have with how active Dawn isn't is part of what keeps this episode from feeling truly gripping and from having a lot of momentum because neither potential protagonist is particularly active. Dawn probably has the most at stake, certainly in connection with the scenes that we see. We see Dawn trying to connect. It's not happening. She feels very lonely and we find out terribly, terribly alone. So in in that sense, she has a lot at stake because she is being the most vulnerable. In another way, she doesn't have a lot at stake because mostly the risk is that things will stay the way they are. However, things are pretty bad for Dawn. Buffy, on the other hand, the only thing she really has at stake is people finding out about Spike, but that doesn't seem to be a huge issue in this episode because it's only Tara who keeps coming across them or picking up on things. In theory, Buffy also has her relationship with her sister at stake, but that doesn't seem to matter as much to her, which is the problem. So probably Dawn is the protagonist here. As far as what the main plot is, it seems to me it it is Dawn's bid to connect, which causes her to make a wish to the vengeance demon, which drives much of the action plot here. So it is Dawn's plot and it really is her loneliness and then there is an action plot wrapped inside of that so a, a, a action subplot that's going on there then there's the question of who the antagonist is dawn's bid to connect the antagonist is mainly buffy but that is a bit fuzzy since she is also trying to connect with the other friends and they are also all missing it and not being there for dawn other than Tara, who Dawn doesn't ask directly, and that is probably on purpose on the writer's part because we know that Tara would respond 
to Dawn. As far as the action plot, we have the vengeance demon, but she has relatively little interaction with anyone. She is driving the action plot because she traps them all in the house Uh, even when she does the spell she is outside the house so she interacts with dawn once and then she interacts with everyone at the end the other antagonist is that demon with the sword who we are halfway through and the only thing he's done is have that fight with buffy in the beginning that demon will become more active but in kind of fits and starts with no real reason that's apparent for why it becomes dormant for periods of time so that too contributes to the lack of momentum we have two demons acting in the place of an antagonist and neither one is particularly active going back to the emotional plot for a moment the other reason the episode lacks momentum is the antagonists in the emotional plot are not purposely pushing against Dawn. They are clueless. The friends especially don't know how Dawn is feeling. Buffy ought to know how Dawn is feeling, but she's not picking up on it. And while, yes, that is pushing against what Dawn wants, it's thwarting Dawn, which is what an antagonist needs to do. It's doing it in such a passive way that the story doesn't have a lot of forward motion. At 19 minutes 33 seconds, Spike tells Buffy he wants to leave, but he can't because it's daylight. Buffy says, fine, she'll leave, but she is not able to. He says he'll get the door for her and he can't. And Buffy says, I'm actually trying to move right now. And Spike responds, me too. Buffy says, well, this can't be good. All the friends gather and try to leave and none of them are able to. Buffy observes that something must be keeping them there. They try on the count of three to move at once. Other than Dawn, who sits there with her arms folded and huffs, this is the first time the friends realize anything is wrong. Another reason the episode doesn't have a lot of momentum because we are almost halfway through and this is the first time anyone knows there's anything supernatural going on that puts them in danger and no one but dawn knows about her emotional angst they talk about why they need to go though clem is fine staying he's having fun and sophie doesn't mind skipping a shift at the double meet buffy though says we all have places that we'd rather be spike finishes the thought things we'd rather be doing buffy says the first priority is to find a way out and dawn says sure of course you all want to leave because being stuck in here with me that'd really suck Willow tells her no, but then inadvertently makes it worse by saying it's just that they all have more important things to do. At 20 minutes, 29 seconds, Dawn stalks off upstairs and throws herself on the bed. The others follow and Buffy asks if Dawn did something. Tara assures Dawn they want her to feel she can talk to them. Dawn reacts as expected, not too thrilled to be accused and Willow says they're not accusing her but Dawn was kind of taking it personally back there. We're around the middle of the episode and this is where in almost all books, movies, stories, TV episodes, you see one of two things happen. The main character suffers a significant reversal or makes a major commitment throwing caution to the wind or both can happen. 
which can be very powerful. Here, Dawn has a reversal in the sense that everyone wants to leave and then they blame her when they can't and blame her unfairly because she has not knowingly done anything. It more or less works as a reversal, but it doesn't feel all that powerful here because Dawn's been pretty unhappy throughout. This is sort of like the cherry on the sundae, but doesn't feel that bad yet. Now it will get worse. Because at 21 minutes, 12 seconds, Dawn says, oh, okay, so you've all just decided that somehow I'm responsible. Great. Here's me basking in the love. Sanders says, no, it's just, you know, you're upset because we want to leave and now we can't leave. Only thing missing is a cornfield. There, There isn't a cornfield, is there? This is a fun reference to the Stephen King story, Children of the Corn, and the movie. Dawn says they tell her they won't be mad, but Dawn's the one who is mad. She didn't do anything and she's done being talked to like a kid, which I empathize with. Anya was pretty awful about that earlier and they are all ganging up on her. Xander says, well, because, you know, sometimes we do something that seems like a good idea at the time, like, say, invoke the power of a musical amulet, and it turns out, you know, not so much. I love this amulet reference because it reminds us of the musical when Xander cast that spell, but also that Dawn was the one who had that amulet. So later, when Anya goes hunting through Dawn's things, there is a certain resonance there because the idea of an amulet or talisman causing a problem is one that the gang encountered earlier in the season. Dawn's now really angry and she says she wishes she had done something. She's glad they're trapped. How else could she get anyone to spend any time with her? Buffy starts to say if Dawn wants them to spend time with her, but Dawn screeches, get out, get out, get out. And I'm not going to screech like Dawn for that. That is pretty much the pinnacle of Dawn's screechiness. And it does make it a little hard to have sympathy for her. Stepping back, I feel bad for Dawn in this episode, but there are a number of points where, as I've mentioned, probably not in a while, but early in the season, Dawn reads so much younger than she is. Even the thing of not understanding that people who have jobs have to go to work. I get that she's really upset, but that plus the screeching and the storming off and running away every time makes it a little harder to feel for her. Downstairs, Anya thinks Dawn's possessed. She didn't love that get out, get out, get out apparently any more than I did. Xander reassures them Dawn's a teenager. Buffy can't figure out why Dawn didn't come to her. And that doesn't feel quite real Yes, I get Buffy is super disconnected this season, but in the last episode, which can't be that long ago because Spike is still beat up, Dawn told Buffy during the night how she felt, that she felt like Buffy was gone, Buffy didn't want to be with her, that she was turning herself into the police to get away from Dawn, or at least because she just didn't want to be on this earth. And then when Buffy 
realize she wasn't to blame for Katrina's death and told Don she was staying, Don stalked off really angry. All of that makes it a little hard to believe that Buffy has no idea why Don didn't just come to her. Also, we saw last episode that Buffy was aware that she hasn't been around much, and she said that in the beginning of this episode, and it's mainly because of Spike. She does have some guilt over that, so it feels a bit manufactured that she's got no idea what's going on. Xander points out that Buffy's been a little busy lately. The group concludes magic's the best way to figure out what's happening. Tara says she will try, but she doesn't have any supplies. Willow admits that she saved some magical supplies and ingredients, maybe just one or two things just in case. And Xander says that's great in a very bad way. Tara mixes ingredients in the kitchen. In the other room, Richard says, all right, does someone want to tell me what's going on here? We're trapped in a house by by what? Some unseen force or something? Who knows what she's doing in there? And I have to tell you, I don't think that's a skin condition. Red smoke fills the kitchen and Tara says, release. Unnoticed by anyone else, the demon swirls out of the sword. The others are staring at the front door, not moving. The demon grabs its sword and we cut to commercial. On return at 25 minutes, five seconds, the demon attacks and slashes Richard. Buffy dives on the demon, but it melts into the floor. It appears again, fights Buffy and Spike and disappears. She recognizes it as the demon from two nights ago. Now we finally have a physical threat to everyone in the house. This is well past halfway through the episode, and this demon will come and go, but it's never clear quite why. Tara says Richard needs medical attention. Buffy promises they'll be out of there soon, and then the scene cuts to nighttime. They are all still in the house, and Buffy says, okay, so maybe soon was a bit of an overstatement. Spike says, so, you ever think about not celebrating your birthday? Just to try it, I mean. His comment gave me an idea for a new bonus episode for patrons. I'll talk about that during the break. As to this episode, it seems like the sword demon has not been out recently, so it's just been hanging about, we'll find out, in the walls until nightfall doing nothing. Buffy tells Dawn to stay downstairs with Spike. That's when the house creaks and Dawn realizes the demon's in the walls. Richard is lying on a bed upstairs, clearly feeling pretty awful, and Willow and Tara sit with him. They, too, are nervous about the sounds in the walls. Clem startles Buffy in the hall. Anya and Xander sit in another hallway alone, their backs against the wall. No reason I can see why everyone has split up. And that adds to feeling like that demon isn't enough of a threat or they don't see it as enough of a threat because you would think everyone would gather in one room. You'd put the more vulnerable people in the middle and Spike and Buffy on the perimeter ready to fight. But instead, Anya and Xander are off by themselves. Dawn is with Spike, at least. Uh, Anya now is too warm. She can't breathe. She's talking about feeling trapped like an animal and how Richard is going to die in there. Xander reassures her she's scared. They'll get get through it. Then he leaves her alone to go get her some water. So now Anya is more vulnerable. Xander, though, is the one who gets attacked when he gets downstairs. 
He yells, Spike rushes out and saves him. Buffy joins the fight, Xander gets slashed. Buffy yells at Spike to grab the sword, but the demon melts away with it. Xander is hurt, but he assures Anya he's okay. It doesn't seem too bad. Buffy asks if Dawn's okay, and Dawn asks if she cares. Buffy again tells Dawn to stay with Spike. But this time Dawn follows Buffy and says she didn't mean for this to happen. Buffy asks what Dawn did want. Dawn refuses to talk, but then she tells Buffy that Buffy can't understand how Dawn feels. Buffy has all these friends. She has no idea what it's like to be alone. Buffy denies that Dawn's alone, and Dawn makes a great response. She says, then why do I feel like this? I like this conversation, but once again, it undercuts the other threat because while sure, Spike can fight, there is a pretty big number of people here and Buffy is off with Dawn alone. Maybe I'm discounting Clem too much. Clem is big. He most likely can fight, but it just feels like Buffy isn't really thinking too much about how to protect everyone. The others meet in the dining room. Teresa they just haven't thought of the right way out yet and she would suggest another spell but she thinks they tried everything something on you will vehemently disagree with There is a listener comment about dead things from Roberta Lip on the Buffy and the Art of Story Facebook page. Roberta says, I always find this episode to be a bit more disconnected than you do. I think the Buffy Katrina stuff was rushed and disorienting for the viewer. And I'm talking about everything that happens after her own hallucination. The stuff with Dawn and Spike, it still feels like a dream. It almost could have been a two-parter. Thank you, Roberta, for your comment. I'm not sure I'd want a two-parter on this, but you make really good points. And I am sure on the first watch and maybe the next couple times I watched Buffy all the way through, I felt the way you do when seeing dead things. For one thing, I am not a big fan of hallucinations and dreams as storytelling devices unless they very clearly move the story and I know what they are. I tend to like linear storytelling. I want things to be clear and I probably did think that more of what happened after Buffy's dream or hallucination might have been part of it. Also, that structure for dead things only became apparent to me when I took it apart for the podcast and really dove into it. Then I could see this larger structure. When I watched it multiple times, I did have a little trouble with the movement of it, the action versus the emotion. On the other hand, season six as a whole doesn't land really well with me. And that episode is one that on that deeper look at it, did work so it very much grew on me it might benefit from the contrast to so many other episodes of season six that just don't resonate with me and that's another reason i appreciate your comment and perspective on that Going back to the current episode and the Patreon bonus I mentioned, I am working on the Bestest Buffy Birthday Bashes Ever episode where I'll compare and rate from least favorite to 
most favorite or favorite favorite Buffy birthday episodes and why. There were five of them, though not all of them were as focused on her birthday as this one, but five where Buffy's birthday is important. That was seasons two through six. There's no Buffy birthday episode in season one or seven. So I'm going to put together that if you want to be able to listen to that or other bonus content and support the podcast at the same time, you can go to patreon.com slash Lisa M. Lily, L-I-S-A, M is in Marie, L-I-L-L-Y, and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. We are reaching the point of the episode where I look for the three-quarter turn, the last major plot turn that usually grows from that midpoint reversal or commitment and spins the story in another new direction. Sometimes it raises the stakes. Again, here I'm pretty sure it is... When Anya gets angry and says they haven't tried everything, Willow is way more powerful than Tara, yet she's not doing anything. The reason I see this as that last major plot turn is from now on, Anya will drive the story forward. It in some ways grows out of that midpoint where everyone blamed Dawn because Anya is now just taking the next step from, okay, we thought it was Dawn, we didn't get anywhere with that we've got to do something else and first she's going to fasten on willow and then again on dawn willow now says i can't and anya responds no see that's not exactly true either not can't won't willow tells her she doesn't know how much willow hates this she doesn't know if there's anything she could do and anya responds yes and a good way to find out is to sit around and try nothing that was sarcasm by the way anya points out that if it's dangerous for willow to try magic it's also dangerous to have all of them die in the house xander now suggests maybe willow could try something they brought her back before they'll bring her back again if she gets in too deep Anya piles on yelling at Willow that it's her own fault if she hadn't gotten so far into the dark magic in the first place. All of this builds on Anya's attitude from the episode Double Meat Palace where she said a few things suggesting she thought it was ridiculous that Willow stopped or she didn't have any sympathy for Willow. It's never clear why Anya feels this way and for the first time outlining the episode I thought that it's because Anya lost her powers as a demon and perhaps she resents that Willow is so powerful and won't use it or she feels that she managed to handle a lot of power or if she got her powers back she would be able to handle it and Willow is just weak or not trying hard enough and Anya could do so much better. Tara intervenes and in another movement that shows conflict she steps in between Anya and Willow she says hey you're gonna back off she said no and that's it you're not gonna make her do something that she doesn't want to and if you try you're gonna have to go through me first understood Anya says then she'll get them out of this and she goes upstairs Buffy and Dawn are still talking Buffy wishes Dawn would have told her how she felt 
Dawn points out Buffy hasn't really been around. Buffy says her most important job is looking after Dawn, and at 33 minutes 27 seconds, Dawn says she thinks Buffy sounds like her new guidance counselor. And is this coming from a handbook for the troubled teen? Buffy now asks about this new guidance counselor and asks if the counselor got her talking about things that bothered her, and Dawn says, uh, yeah... And Buffy asks if by chance she happened to express a wish. Dawn says maybe a little, but they are both distracted by noises from Dawn's room. They go in and Anya is rifling through Dawn's bookshelves. Dawn yells at her to stop as she turns to Dawn's jewelry box. And that's where the amulet was in the musical episode, though Anya doesn't know that. Now she finds a bunch of things Dawn stole from the magic box and she feels personally betrayed. Dawn runs downstairs. The others follow. Anya is asking how Dawn could do this to her. Buffy starts to defend Dawn, but then sees the leather jacket lying there with the inventory tag showing, and it hits her what is happening. Anya asks how she can ever trust Dawn when Dawn says she didn't do anything to trap them in the house. But Buffy intervenes, saying it's not Dawn's fault. She explains about the guidance counselor and the wish. Anya asks whether the counselor wore a pendant. She describes it. Dawn says that was it. And Anya calls out for Halfrick. She tells Dawn she made a wish to a vengeance demon, and only a vengeance demon can break her own spell. Anya calls again. Halfrick appears at 35 minutes, 47 seconds. And the other demon also appears and stabs Halfrick, and she falls. Now everyone is fighting. Eventually, Spike grabs onto the demon who dropped his sword. Buffy gets it, stabs the demon with its own sword. It swirls back into it, and she breaks the sword. Anya races to get Halfrick's pendant, but Halfrick stands and holds them off, reminding Anya that a sword won't kill a vengeance demon, and says Anyanka used to know better. Anya asks why Halfrick did this, and Halfrick says she told her she was going to take care of some business while she was in town. But Anya's appalled that Halfrick cursed her and her friends, and she says, quote, some of them are in the wedding party, end quote. Halfrick and Spike exchange a glance. Halfrick preens a bit, fixing her hair, and says, William? And Spike says, hey, wait a minute. Buffy says, you guys know each other? Halfrick says, uh, no. And she giggles and says no again, and Spike says, not really. So Halfrick, the actress, is the same one who played Cecily in the flashbacks in Fool for Love. She was the one William was so in love with, and Cecily said he was beneath her. I think I read somewhere that it was not a plan that anybody would realize that was the same actress, but fans did, so they wrote this in to make it part of the story. The last major plot point in any story is the climax. That is where the opposing forces have their final clash and resolve the main conflict. It's not clear exactly where it starts or exactly what it is here. Buffy already had that fight with that first demon who was acting as a sort of antagonist. Now there will be a final confrontation with Halfrek. And then later in what feels more like falling action, Buffy and Dawn will resolve things to some extent. 
previously, Buffy and Dawn did seem to be getting somewhere. So was that the emotional plot climax? I'm not sure. But as to the action, Tara says now, I thought Finch and Stevens only punished men who wronged women. And Halfrick says, oh, that was Anya's little raison d'etre. Most of us try to be a little more well-rounded. And actually, we prefer Justice Steeman, okay? FYI. Ani says, well-rounded, huh? Is that how you explain your thing for bad parents? And Halfrick says, it's not a thing. The children need her. And Anya says, hmm, and coughs. Daddy issues. Halfrick tells them she heard Don calling out all over town that Don was in pain and it was unbearable and none of them knew. They deserve to be cursed and they should enjoy their time together. All they have is time in each other. She wishes them luck. She gestures with a big flourish with her arms to leave dramatically, but nothing happens. She is still standing there. She repeats parts of the lines to herself, does that flourish again, and still nothing. Anya rolls her eyes, tells her it's the curse. Halfrick, frustrated, says, fine, the curse is lifted. They can all leave now. That ends the final confrontation as far as the action goes. It is pretty fun that Halfrick has trapped herself with her own curse, and we were told earlier only a vengeance demon can break her spell. So it it fits, and were the episode as a whole more dramatic or had more momentum, it would be a very fun way to end as it is. It adds a little bit to that feel of slowness. Despite all I've said, though, about the lack of momentum, I do really enjoy this episode because of all the fun things that happen in it and all the ways that our characters connect and move along their stories for the season. We're now in the falling action, the part of a story where writers tie up loose ends and resolve subplots that are still open. In an installment series, you often also have some movement in the season-long arc or a few seeds for the next installment. At 39 minutes 18 seconds, Willow and Tara are in the kitchen and Willow thanks Tara for standing up for her and explains that she only kept the supplies as a safety net. There was this voice in her head saying what if things got really bad and she couldn't handle it. It made her panic so she kept a couple things. Tara tells Willow she gets it, and then she points out that Willow can work without the net. Things did get really bad, and Willow still said no. Willow smiles. This is a great moment between the two of them and a nice small additional movement in their relationship. Everyone gathers in the entryway again. Spike is able to open the door. It's nighttime. Everyone goes out. Xander and Anya helping Richard. Tara exclaims over the stars. Clem says it was a great party. At 41 minutes, 29 seconds, Buffy too walks to the door. Everyone else has left, but she doesn't go out. She closes it and stays with Dawn. And that ends the episode. Dawn and Buffy had some similar moments and conflicts in season five in the episode where Dawn tried to bring Joyce back. Dawn was feeling very alone. She felt like Buffy was not grieving, that Buffy was not there for her. They reconnected in this hallway crying. Then Buffy was the one who wanted Joyce back. Dawn ended the spell and Buffy 
opened the front door and no one was there. And there's two ways to see that. In one way, it's a nice thematic resonance with those images from last season. On the other hand, perhaps because last episode we had Dawn telling Buffy how she felt, no real resolution of it, but now in this episode we have that same theme of disconnection, now in that same hallway, as we had things happening in season five, once again, Buffy and Dawn reconnect. Buffy stays in the house with Dawn. The reason the callback doesn't work as well for me is because basically... Buffy and Dawn reconnected and then it didn't matter. It was all thrown out the window with season six. There are reasons for that because of Buffy coming back from the dead, but it does make it feel like a retread for me. I would love to hear from you, your thoughts on whether that undercuts the Buffy-Dawn relationship plot. That is it for this episode other than foreshadowing, which does include spoilers. If you find the way I break down plot and story helpful and want to apply it to your own writing, you can download free story structure worksheets at writingasasecondcareer.com slash worksheets. If you're not staying for foreshadowing and spoilers, thank you so much for listening and especially Special thank you to patrons who support the podcast. Come back in two weeks for season six, episode 15, As You Were, where Riley returns in search of a demon. There is a fair amount of foreshadowing here or weaving through of season arcs. Uh, a small one is when Willow gives Buffy that battery operated back massager for after patrolling and in normal again when uh, Buffy starts feeling faint when she's on patrol her friends help her they tell Spike to go away and he says something like put a little ice on the back of her neck she likes that which suggests that it isn't all just sexcapades with Buffy and Spike post slaying that he does help take care of her. I enjoy Clem returning in this episode, and he will continue to appear as Spike's friend. And at one point, he hangs out with Dawn when Buffy needs someone to protect her and stay with her. And in season seven, he will continue to be a recurring character, offer comic relief, and sometimes a little bit of Sunnydale history. Halfrick likewise will return both in this season and next. We'll see her again in the wedding episode, also for a bit of comic relief. And then in season seven, she is a good friend to Anya. She gives Anya helpful advice when Anya returns to being a vengeance demon. And then one of the most heartbreaking moments in season seven will be Halfrex when she is punished by Dehofrin for Anya's choice to take back her own spell, Anya's own spell. Spike being more and more obvious with Buffy in this episode, wanting her to fool around with him in the hall while everyone's in the house, foreshadows how much he wants her to tell her friends about their relationship, which will become an issue in normal again but before that Buffy telling Tara she wants to stay in and not tell anyone about Spike and how she rebuffs him in this episode foreshadows how terrible she's going to feel when Riley discovers her in bed or on a crypt I think with Spike. 
that is set up very well by this episode. That is it for foreshadowing and for older and far away. Thank you again for listening. Come back in two weeks for season six, episode 15, As You Were, where Riley returns in search of a demon and forgets to tell Buffy that, by the way, he got married. If you enjoyed this episode of Buffy and the Art of Story, please rate or review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend about it or share it on social media. You can find back episodes of the podcast on YouTube or at lisalilly.com, where you can also find my mysteries and thrillers and the Buffy and the Art of Story books. If you'd like to connect or share your thoughts about Buffy, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Lisa M. Lilly. That's L-I-S-A-M as in Marie, L-I-L-L-Y. Or email me at BuffyStoryPod at gmail.com. Music for this episode was written and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Thank you.